0: Warning, the following podcast may contain some fits of extreme nerd rage, especially when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. As such, there may be a few colorful pieces of language thrown around. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, once again to the Wrestling Ramblings and Rages podcast. I'm, of course, your host, James Shimo, and I am here with my good buddy, Mr. Ryan Payne. Ryan, how you doing today, man?
1: Well, the same as always, I'm doing very good. Um, honestly, this is kind of the chillest Monday I've had like since July. So, I mean, not to say that my Mondays have been crazy, but you know, like you know, when you depend on how your weekend goes and you start your Mondays, then all of a sudden it feels like uh your brain is all foggy and time slows down. I yeah. have that feeling today. So <laughs> I think well, that's, that's a good. good time.
0: Yeah, I hear you well uh normally we do have a three-man booth here today unfortunately our compatriot Brenton mcpherson was unable to join us for this episode um but you know life happens and i'm sure he'll be on on another day so uh brenton whatever's going on with you hope it works out and we'll see you back here soon all right but today we are here to talk about something that is that's been in the news recently ever since uh last thursday um you know obviously it's, it's become tradition almost after these these quarterly earnings calls for WWE to just take a hatchet to their roster, and it, it just gets worse and worse and worse every single time. But we'll get to that in a second. I do want to bring up a couple of things, though, right off the top before we get started. First and foremost, uh, anybody who was paying attention to the news revolving around pro wrestling this last week knows that John Moxley has checked himself into an inpatient alcohol rehabilitation uh, program. Uh, we here at the Wrestling Ramblings and Rages podcast, Wish mocks nothing but the best in getting healthy, getting clean and doing what he feels is right, not just for his future, but I'm sure for Renee's future as well as their daughter's future yeah. as well. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people out there are probably giving him shit for this. And, you know, have, and for those of you that have not um, observed our show before, either in audio or video form. Uh, the four-letter words all fly here, so uh, if you're a little too sensitive to that, or if you got little kids in the general area, maybe cut this episode off until you're in a little bit more private setting.
1: Anyway, yeah, <laughs> but we're yeah, yeah. not gonna have nice things to say to you guys if you if you're if you're one of the people that's throwing shit at Moxley for pretty much doing the healthy thing, honestly. Yeah,
0: exactly, and that's that's a thing. Like, I know a lot of like I'm sure a lot of the you know old school fellas like. You know, a certain man whose initials are JC along with a bunch of the other old, you know, manly man type of wrestlers. You know, I'm sure probably Dutch Mantell's is probably going to throw his two cents in on this as well.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if Pritchard or Bischoff or throw those two cents. And I go back and forth with Meltzer because mostly whenever it comes with criticizing WWE, Meltzer's always very lenient with them. But sometimes there there's some takes he has where I'm just dumbfounded at what yeah. comes out of his mouth. And so far, I mean... Whenever I hear snippets from Observer Report, whenever, uh, you know, Brian Alvarez has him on the show, I haven't heard anything he's stupidly said yet. Yet. That's what I'm saying yet. That's a big emphasis on that word because yeah. after we're done, by the time this episode comes out, Dave Meltzer probably would have said something completely ridiculous just so he can play devil's advocate. Even though mm-hmm. logic tells you that you, you it's yeah, you can play devil's advocate, but don't back up as fact. <laughs> yeah.
0: And like I said, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of them all to say, oh, rehabs for quitters, you know, you know, don't don't worry about the alcohol. Don't worry about the pills. Just keep doing it. You know, and you got to deal with the pain somehow. No, I'm going to say this in a lot of ways, especially being a new father, especially with, you know, the the pain and the the, just the damage that he's put his body through already in his career to entertain us. Getting clean and getting on a healthier path of dealing with that pain and dealing with the, the bumps and bruises on the road. I admire John Moxley 100% for this. So, Mox, I, I doubt you're going to see this, but if you do, if somebody you know tweets this at you or whatever, best of luck to you, man. We're all here pulling for you. We'll be ready when you come back, and I know you'll be kicking ass just like before, dropping people on that stack of dimes they got as a neck and just raising hell. So, more power to you, man.
1: Yeah, same here. Uh, I mean, I was heartbroken at first, you know, to hear that Moxley won't be wrestling anymore. But then, of course, once the news pops that he he voluntarily puts himself into impatient rehab for the alcohol, and I'm going, and then I look and I do more research on it, and I see, yeah, plenty of sense, especially since Moxley has been in AEW and toured in New Japan. I mean, because when he showed up in AEW while he was going back and forth, then he had that MRSA infection on his elbow, took mm-hmm. him out for a while and from the research I did on Mert, on these staph infections or these mers infections, that shit can get worse to where if Moxley had ignored it, like in the old school days, like most wrestlers would have, he could have lost his arm and never wrestled again. I mean, probably could have, but not at the pace he wanted to. Right.
0: Absolutely. And it's just, it it boggles the mind and you figure Moxley, especially like his bump card is pretty well punched at this point. I mean, you look at, CZW, you look at GCW, you look at what he did with WWE, you look at what he's done with AEW, and now all of that is starting to add up. Like, I remember watching uh, the very first episode of Roads to the Top. I know a lot of people probably don't care for that show.
1: I've seen a couple of episodes, yeah.
0: Yeah, but he, in the very first episode, Brandy comes up and asks how he's doing. He goes, uh, I'm hung over as fuck. Yeah, you know, he's just like, I'm gonna go puke and pass out somewhere. And I'm like, that's, that's not a good headspace to be in. So... You know, and I know a lot of people have been reading his book. I have been meaning to pick up uh, Moxley's I autobiography, up so I will, be, I will be picking that up, and maybe we'll do a review of that on the show at some point, you know, just to look back at it. I know I know I want to do one on the Young Bucks autobiography, I, and I'd like to keep those going. You know, it's just a, a little thing for this show, you know, a nice little segment, but uh, we'll see how that pans out. But bottom line is best of luck and well wishes to John Moxley.
1: Um yeah, you know, one not he's just dead. about Moxie, but also 100 respect to AEW and how they've been handling this situation. They're treating very professionally. I mean, Tony Khan, he's not being completely detailed. I mean, even Khan sent an interview. I mean, he he asked John. I mean, you want me to be detailed about this? You want me to keep it vague? You want me to keep it private? And Mox has been also been transparent as well. I was like, no, oh, you should tell some of them about what I've been going through. I mean, Tony. I mean, of course, from the articles I've read, Tony hasn't gone. He's not completely open. But he is still respectful enough to re- to respect moxley's wishes but also to have people out there some of the general audiences understand at least for certain wrestlers the the toll I mean the what the business the, the business the, the, the toll the business takes on them Absolutely. And- I do give them 100% credit, and I give them a lot of respect for that because, let's be honest, other companies we've seen in the past, regardless, not just WWE, but even other companies have, like TNA Impact have fumbled when it comes to this. Big big example, Jeff Hardy. How I was going to say made. Victory Road, yeah. I mean, even Kurt Angle had said uh, in interviews, like, he abused pain medication when he was part of Impact, and they openly allowed him to just so yeah. he could keep wrestling. Let's not forget He's- Scott Hall's alcohol issues and WCW. Yeah, and even Ring, uh, I, I and I don't have many examples from Ring of Honor, but I know that Ring of Honor themselves have had issues with wrestlers either through alcohol or drug addiction. Let so me where- look at uh,
0: Mike Bennett. He had some alcohol problems a while back, if I'm not mistaken. Well, he that that it WWE, yeah, he was in their contract. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, in any case, uh, like I said, best wishes to Mox, and best wishes as well to two other gentlemen as well. Uh, obviously, Mox isn't the first one who's had to bow out of the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament, unfortunately. Lance Archer had to do the same thing, although he did so while actually uh, putting somebody else over in the tournament. Uh, obviously, yeah. it landed on his head, uh, trying to perform a moonsault. Obviously, was completely out of it before he got up. So, uh, you know, best wishes, speedy recovery to the Murder Hawk monster. We hope to see you back in an AEW ring very, very soon. Uh, and also another gentleman who we got an opportunity to meet when we were on the Chris Jericho cruise, which you'll get an oh, opportunity yeah. to hear about uh, here in just a, about a week or so. Uh, Danhausen apparently broke his foot just around Halloween. So, uh, yeah, and I, uh, trust me, I've broken my foot before. It sucks. Uh, thankfully, the recovery time is maybe two and a half, three months at most. So, we'll, we'll see Danhausen back in the ring very, very shortly. Uh, so, speedy recovery to him. All the best wishes. Uh, we don't want to see Danhausen be Sadhausen for too much longer. Anyway, yeah. uh, Ryan, your thoughts on these two uh, individuals?
1: Well, Lance Archer. It really is unfortunate with Lance. Um, I mean, because originally he was set to be on the Jericho Cruise, where we've gotten a, some great opportunities to see him wrestle and be inter- maybe get interact with him. But then he's taken off for being on the Eliminator tour, uh, Eliminator match, and then we. And then, of course, I hear about him getting hurt, especially after the unfortunate backflip that happened. I'm just like, mm-hmm. um, uh, of course, I was. I- I'm not gonna say it was stunned or uh, left speechless or so, but it was just kind of like the. <sighs> Oh shit moments, and then yeah. he responds back saying that he's not too hurt, but you know it's but but he is hurt a little bit to where you're, we're not seeing him on TV anymore. Yeah, and I actually do, uh, and I actually was liking the road that Lance Archer was on. Like after, like after they did the whole big monster thing, they started chilling off on that a little bit. They started making him his own kind of person. I liked the fact that they were teasing potential feuds with Darby Allen and Sting with him and Jake Roberts. Then of course the, the uh, uneasy alliance he had with Pat, the death triangle with Eddie, uh, you know, with a heel Eddie Kingston at the time. And then even his re- re- reigniting the rivalry with him and Moxley for the IWGP us belt him winning it in his hometown for a, a Texas death match. Of course he loses it to Tanahashi overseas, but I like the fact that AW did give him that, that the hometown hero pop that, Honestly, not many, uh, not at least certain uh, wrestling companies would never give to wrestlers unless, you know, you're high up in the totem pole. This is
0: very, very true. Um, but, uh, I say, yeah, go
1: ahead. Uh, but I will say with Archer, Um part of me was hoping to see him in the finals of the Eliminator tournament. But hopefully with him, uh, I won't say hopefully, but with him being out, I think this will give plenty of time for, of course, for the audience, for the heart to grow fo- the absence of heart grow fonder. So when he does show, and hopefully they put him in an angle to where when he does come back, the crowd will be red hot for him. Like, I know we did our predictions episode, but I'm saying, like, um, because I remember when the whole t- American Top Team was being teased uh, of coming in, especially with Scorpio Sky and Paige Align with them, It was at first it was Lance Archer who was interrupting Dan. Uh, Dan Lander dan lambert uh uh talking all the time so let's say after full gear happens and dan lambert is still trying to you know he's still a thorn in the side i think lance archer returning just to finally put the nail in that coffin would be a great way to bring him back and to get the crown on his side yeah and final words on dan housing um dude when I, from what i saw him on the cruise such a fun one of the fun guests I've seen people interact with whether if he was just, of course, obviously in face paint walking around or he's just dressed in regular clothes or in a sunflower dress.
0: Yes. <laughs> that was <laughs> hilarious. Walking around,
1: walking around with his cape, especially for the comedy shows. I'd say Dan, Danhausen was definitely Dan and Will We were the best talent to see on the cruise that didn't even wrestle, which was incredible. Yeah. I loved it. So yeah, I. No, they, great. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, going back to, uh,
0: Archer here for a second. I yeah. think one of the good things about this is, is that AEW is taking this very seriously. He says he's not that hurt, but at the same time with the neck compression that he could have suffered there, this potential for spinal injury, not just spinal injury, but concussion as well with the way that he landed as well. I think taking the the precaution here and and letting him sit on the shelf for a little while is, is for the best. And hopefully, like you said, you know, the old, how can I miss you if, if you won't go away kind of situation. So now he's off TV for a bit. He Comes back in and you know lays into somebody, crowd's gonna pop. Uh, maybe I uh, ought to try that for about six or eight months with Cody. Maybe the crowd will stop booing him for
1: whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, have, maybe have Lance finally get his coat. Maybe have Lance get some uh revenge wins against Cody, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but uh,
0: so you know, uh, tossing that off again, uh, we just wanted to cover those really quick before we got into the meat and potatoes of what we're here to discuss today, which is WWE's most recent round of budget cuts. My ass. Anyway, uh, so yes, WWE released another crop of talent this past Thursday night. The list includes the following names. Nia Jax, Eva Marie, Mia Yim, Harry Smith, a.k.a. David Hart Smith, for those of you guys who remember the Hart Dynasty. Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, Lindsay Dorado, Grand Metallique, Jeet Rama, Katrina Cortez, Trey Baxter, Zeta Ramir, Jesse Kamea, B Fab, who just recently got called up to SmackDown as part of Hit Row, Oni Lorkin, Ember Moon, Frankie Monet, who they just signed earlier this year. Like I wanna say she was signed like just ahead of Mania Weekend.
1: Yeah, she made her debut like uh, in between Mania and SummerSlam, mm-hmm. and then oh, okay. Scarlet
0: Bordeaux is the final name on that list. It brings the int- now again there were multiple releases over the course of the year. I believe it was seventy-one total yes. releases, but two of them got rehired, so it actually brings it a total of sixty-nine. Boing. anyway. Um, sorry, I had to put that little joke in there.
1: I know that when it comes to Vince Man, it feels like it's a self fulfilling prophecy at this point. Mm-hmm, unfortunately, but uh,
0: and yeah, and like when you add it to the list of the rest of the people that WWE have released this year, it, it's mind boggling. But right, just off of this list, I mean, there's a handful of names that stick out. You know, uh, Nia Jax, A lot of people have been calling for her to get released for a while. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not talking about people within WWE. I'm talking about fans because she's just been so freaking dangerous in the ring. Like you look at what happened with Kyrie, sane. You look what happened with I think she had a it, uh, an incident with Natalia a while back or something like yeah. that. I uh, think even and,
1: uh, sometimes with Oscar, you can see where yeah. terrible miscommunications, especially when she and uh, Tamina were tag teams or ta- were a team together. It was just. I just couldn't understand it. I mean, look, I understand they were they saw something in Nia, not just because she is because the legacy that she's from. It was just that if Nia, because I've seen some of Nia's matches in NXT, and they were never as she never made as many slip ups in NXT that she did on the main roster, which really boggled my mind. I'm going, I the number. I don't want to blow my lid over this because look, Nia Jax, it was a surprise to me, but then at the same time, Parmy felt it. It was like karma, but then mm-hmm. I'm hearing so many other wrestlers talking about Nia, like how she was backstage and how even I think uh, Charlotte even said that she kind of has made some. She she actually made vocal calls to want Nia Jax back in the in the company, so. I'm, I'm guess, of course, off outside the ring, and of course, I've seen through Total Divas. Nia Jack, she's definitely one uh, an, oh, an, a heartwarming personality, some opening, especially the Instagram uh, videos I've seen of her Alexa, how good of a friendship they have. And uh, and look, I, and I'm not gonna be all double standard here. Look, I have been open, seeing that there's been some wrestlers who I who have been incredible people, but then I hate how they're not getting pushed. I think, and because of those sympathy heartstrings that pull on me, I want to mm-hmm. see them succeed. With Nia, to me, it's like. She could have succeeded at a level if there was somebody to guide her or work with her. And I'm not saying the company didn't try to work with her. It just seemed to me like, well, Triple H did his best. Triple H trained you. Triple H and Dustin, and they did the best to train you. Now we're going to throw you up on the main roster. But if, you keep, if, but if the producers and the talent agents, and I'm saying this in quotations because – they're not. They don't. They can't really do anything if they have not been able to try to work more with Naya after such scary bumps on wrestlers like Charlotte, Kyrie, Asuka, Becky, Sasha, Bailey, uh, Alexa, Mickie James when she was employed by them, even some of the new ones they have with Liv Morgan and when they had her team with Tamia, especially with and, and especially we saw with the Iconics. Uh, well, the inspiration I was saying, wasn't there.
0: Wasn't there an incident with uh, Dana Brooke and her at one point? I think
1: yes. Her uh, Dana Brooke. The fact, even with Shayna Baszler, I don't know if she's ever tried to hurt Shayna, but there has been moments where I've seen when she and Shayna, there was, like, miscommunication in teams matches, you know. Uh, right. I don't want to say that Nia is more dangerous, though. It's just that she's kind of like a liability the company didn't want to fix, which is a big negative because if you were so big on Nia being in the company, you should reinvest in her. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know. It's just it's I'm conflicted here because I've seen I with the brilliance with Naya. I liked her face turn when they made her when they when she got I the understand. belt. Yeah, when they made her champion. I just didn't like how they kept handling her over and over and over again. It was just it's kind of like what they do. It's like what they're doing with like with their, it's just their execution of their wrestlers that pisses yeah. me off.
0: And I think I think if one thing was very much clear from not just this recent crop of releases, but I think over the course of the entire year, Vince and you know Nick Khan and all the other decision makers back there have been mm-hmm. gutting the WWE of all of Triple H's NXT crop. Yeah, yeah, you know, all of his pet projects because once again, Vince McMahon has to hold ultimate control. Uh, and we'll get into that here in just a minute. But I don't want to harp too long on any one individual because we got a lot to get through. Uh, so there, There's
1: here. one little side thing I want to say on the other release of B-Fab. Yeah, you all yeah. Heard of With her, like, yeah, you know, she gets called up. They give her a, a renewed signed contract mm-hmm. and then she's released. That one feels like a big slap in the face.
0: Yeah, if, if, if you needed any further proof that WWE contracts aren't worth the paper they're printed on, there's your... There's your smoking gun right there because they literally took her contract, tore it up, wiped their ass with it, and then flushed it down the toilet, which is mind-boggling to me. But in any case, like I said, even Maria was worth all the money bringing her back for what?
1: Not even a year. Yeah, and they gave and they put her in. Uh, they put in storylines that unfortunately just weren't work. They just weren't work. They they were never going to get off the ground.
0: No. yeah. No. All right, I'm going to save a couple of these for the end. Uh, Harry Smith had one dark match, and then again, yeah. n- never got made it to TV. I'm
1: trying to retreat um, Baxter if I've seen him on TV or was he a dark? We'll, we'll, we'll get to him. Okay. Uh, Dorado and Metalik. I mean, they are thrown a 205 live most of the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm
0: just saying they, they've. I've, I get a feeling they've been on thin ice for a while. I mean, we just saw uh, their compatriot, uh, the former Kalisto Samurai del Sol, uh, recently on AEW. Uh, so who knows, maybe they can uh, make their way down to AAA. Who knows, maybe they can team against uh, FTR for those Triple-A tag team titles at something at some point.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, Jeet Rama, I didn't know too much about him. Uh, Oni Lorcan, great, great talent. Uh, and and it, it's interesting to me that they would get rid of him when isn't Danny Birch still on a shelf because of uh, that whole thing with Karrion Cross not too long ago?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't, and the funny thing I found with Orin Lurkin that he, outside most of the NXT talent, I mean, I saw that he has a 90-day no-compete clause, uh, but then, of course, I, re- then I see then in the article, he, clear, he, he he goes to clear out that he wasn't just wrestling NXT, he also wrestled on 205 Live, which toured with SmackDown. So Right, and because was, of that, he of had that,
0: the, the main right, roster no-compete, not the NXT no-compete, which seems to be, you know... Horse manure, if you ask me. Uh, yeah. yeah, a couple of other names on here. Like I said, Jeet Rama, Katrina Cortez, Trey Baxter, Zeta Ramir, Jesse Command. Kame- Jesse was was talented from the little that I saw of her, but yeah. you know. And then, like we mentioned before, Fab and you know Scarlet. We'll we'll get into the whole thing with Scarlet in a minute because she kind of goes as a package deal with another one of the the individuals on this list, but. Um, the next ones that I'm going to mention here are just oh, screaming yeah. wasted opportunity when it comes to how they were handled and how they were treated. Uh, Frankie Monet, first of all, yeah. you know, the now uh, rechristened Taya Valkyrie. She had every bit of upside on her that you could possibly hope for in a female talent. Like She can work. She has mic skills. She has an it factor. She has a presence and yet you do absolutely
1: fuck all with it. Not not only that, she she was in a relationship with the current Raw superstar, John Morrison, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Impact, Johnny Mundo. Johnny Drip Drip. Johnny Drip Drip, yeah. So it it really was weird to me that they wouldn't try to work an angle to where they'd bring her up and have those two together, maybe even like, I saw the moment whenever, whenever Ty, when Taya was ever done with her run at NXT. I see her brought up to the main roster, maybe reignite the Miz and John Morrison feud to where they can tease an intergender match with, with Frankie and Johnny going up against Miz and Maurice. Sure, Maurice wouldn't do a lot of wrestling, but just the tease of it would have been nice to where you can tease a little bit of intergender wrestling. Because I've seen Taya in the Indies, in Indie matches, she's... Re- just like with Mia Yim, who was, who was also released, and even with um currently some of the other wrestlers... Like, even with Asuka, she's wrestled men in the Indies. And I'm going... God, if you- if you WWE ever wanted to reach out to a general audience and tease the possibility of men-women's matches, that was more of an... Op- that was a big opportunity for them to use it. Never
0: happened. Because... Never right. say, yeah, uh, if any of y'all want to know why... I firmly believe it'll never happen, even though I feel like it should, because if anything puts men and women on equal footing, it's having them compete in scripted competition on equal footing to where, you know, it looks like they're just as equal with one another as ever in any other sport. Um, Yeah, I I think it's hogwash. But if you really want to know a little bit more about intergender wrestling, uh, Brian Zane of Wrestling with Regret did a great video on it a number of years ago. Go and check that out. Anyway, uh, so again, let's move on to some of the other ones here. Ember Moon, again, just dropped the freaking ball with Ember Moon. I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved her in a team with Shotzi when they became NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. I thought that was great. Yeah, Uh, Loved her run prior to her time on the main roster. But as soon as she got on that main roster, here's the ball. That's what they did with it. Just completely dropped it. And it made... No sense because, again, talented, char- charismatic, great look, great presence can go in that ring and you do jack fuckity squat with her.
1: And it makes no sense. But it was especially more disheartening to me because seeing uh, Ember uh, uh, during the NXT run, Ember was the second African-American woman to hold a championship there. And then I see her called up there. I'm like, oh great, we're gonna get more diverse, ta- diverse talent on there, so they don't have to constantly keep relying on Sasha, Bailey, Charlotte, and Becky uh, uh, to put on stellar matches. Even though whatever, whenever they did, most of it was on Charlotte. But even then, like especially when Ember showed up, they were having a diverse pool of women that they could have created so many, multi- so many great matches so many great different team-ups, so many different, uh, uh, like, factions or so. Like, if you wanted to, if there was ever a time that you needed a women's tag match, it was during that time when the pool – when the women's pool in NXT and Raw and SmackDown was so big. But, mm-hmm. like, Vince Man, he just ignores, ignores, ignores. It's like a gnat in his ear. He'll keep buzzing, 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 buzzing in the way until finally the gnat finds a way in the ear, and he can't get it out. So what is he going to do? No. But, yeah, with Ember Moon um, – She's been trampled twice when she was on Raw, thrown into a feud. She was thrown into the mix of the Nia and Alexa Bliss feud. And then she's thrown on a SmackDown where they don't do much with her, except maybe have her be one of the people, the second babyface to chase the belt. And even then when they gave her an opportunity, nope, they trampled over it. So when she finally showed up on NXT again, I'm like, great. She can, not only can she go back to being the badass Ember Moon that I fell in love with, and as much as I didn't like this biker chick gimmick that they threw onto her, at least with Ember, we're seeing her throw, give out more words. She's being, she's, like, like, she's really coming across, not like herself, but more, like, so much of an edge to her character that I thought she could have been the one to dethrone, um, let me see. No, I, I would have loved to see her and Io have two instant classic, ma- have a back-to-back instant classics. I have nothing against Raquel Gonzalez, though, but I felt that Ember, in my mind, should have been champion before Raquel did. But you know what? Seeing where NXT has gone nowadays, I'm kind of glad Ember didn't get that championship. Yeah.
0: I mean, especially now that Vince McMahon's calling the shots in NXT. And if you ever needed any further proof that Vince McMahon is calling the shots in NXT now, the fact is that now our NXT Women's Champion is Mandy
1: Rose. Anyway, I'm conflicted with Mandy as champion because, one, I don't mind Mandy. She can she can go when she's given the right opponent. But it just seems so
0: blatant as to why she got that opportunity.
1: It's not just that, but they're also giving her the freaking Paige gimmick to when Paige came back on the main roster. Like Paige Mm -hmm. comes back. She's a heel. She has herself two uh, hench women on her side gets a faction name, that's exactly what it felt like with Mandy being saddled with Priscilla Kelly and J.C.J. I'm sorry, Gigi Dolan and J.C. Yeah. Now, apart now Here's me, the thing, have, and you
0: bring that up and it's like, you gotta remember, Vince McMahon's all the way up to the Z and Alzheimer's, he forgot that was even a thing, so he assumed we did too. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking old ass piece of shit. Anyway, these last three from this crop really infuriate me. Because sure. again, it's just missed opportunity after missed opportunity after botched creative decision after botched creative decision after botched fucking creative decision. Mia Yim, Keith Lee, and Karrion Cross. Well, let's have
1: four with Scarlet.
0: <laughs> yeah, four with Scarlet. I'm going to look directly into the camera here because I hope somebody takes a clip out of this and sends it to Vince. I don't freaking care. How? Do you fuck these people up? How do you screw this up? You have guaranteed talent. Keith Lee, big guy. Yes, he's everything you want in a big hoss, but he can move like he's a freaking cruiserweight. He's got presence. The crowd loves him. Mia Yim, again, a crowd favorite, a great presence, a great look, great in-ring skills. Charing cross, dripping mystique. Somebody who you, if you hadn't, if you hadn't had to retire because you put him into so many matches that put his fucking health at risk, could have been someone who could have dethroned the Undertaker. Really been the one to take the streak and step up and be that new phenom, be that new badass. Mm-hmm. And you pissed all over them.
1: Shame on you, Vince McMahon, and fuck you. God. Now. I can unleash a whole tirade on my feelings of Keith Lee, and I will only try to snip it down. But, Mia, but I will start off with first with Mia Yim. Seeing how, when they brought Mia Yim in, she, I introduced her twice in the Mae Young Classic, and you see her have great matches there. Then they bring her into NXT, and they give her this great, like, uh, oh my god, uh, the H.I.'s that head baddie in charge yeah yeah i mean of course they couldn't say she's the head bitch in charge but you know nah, then, just the way that she's approaching herself she came off as if she, you could enter you could reintroduce street fight and hardcore matches in nxt with mia yim the, and also the scary ass bumps she took in nxt let's not forget yeah. that women that uh when she was part of war, when she was originally put on the war games team that qual- that match to determine who goes in first in that War Games match. That nasty bump she took off that ladder, cutting herself so she couldn't compete in that, even though storyline-wise they right her around. But even then, she's written out. She comes back in. And even Charlotte at the time, Charlotte, when she was NXT champion, I was not a fan of, but she actually, she actually put... Not just storyline-wise, but backstage it's been revealed that she was actually high on Mia Yim, that she did that because she wanted to work with Mia Yim. And now I hated the fact that they – regardless how they executed that finish to the match was, I actually enjoyed the fact that Mia Yim could have been teased as, an opera, as the one to take that belt off of Charlotte. I mean, I would have loved to see Mia Yim and Charlotte at that WWF, at, at that NXT in your house pay per view instead of the three-way yeah. Rhea and Io Shirai. I love the fact that Io had the be- got the belt. But man, how good would it have been if it would have been if it was Mia Yim that took that? It would have put her stock, it would have risen her stock to where you can see her going on instant classes against Io Shirai, against Rhea Ripley before she was called up. Hell, even against Shayna Baszler, she ever before she was called up. Oh, my God. And now, and of course, Karrion Cross and Scarlett. Now, I'm talking about these two as a package because that's how they were brought, put together in NXT. And it worked. It worked like gangbusters. You barely had Karrion Cross talk. He can just give off his, he gave off everything with a look. All he had to do was just walk, he walked like this to the ring, steel eyes, laser focus, was going to run you over. He didn't care who the fuck you were. He was going to run you over and then get out of the fucking ring. You had You, know, you know what Karrion Cross was?
0: Karrion Cross was what probably Vince McMahon wanted Kevin Thorne and Ariel to be. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. I know. <laughs> Goofy ass gimmick, but think about it. Karrion Cross and Scarlet are what that gimmick could have been.
1: Yeah. If, if it wasn't too overreal, all that supernatural shit.
0: Yeah, get, get rid of the supernatural. Yeah, keep keep the gear, like keep the look. Like, don't get me wrong; just take out the vampire thing. Like the the look itself, I thought was cool, like that swagger, like a throwback to the you know Hunter Hurst Helmsley days, and yeah. things like that. But at the same time, make him intimidating. Make make him silent. Don't let him speak. Don't do the whole goofy. You know. You know, rubbing all over each other kind of stuff. Let Ariel do that. I'll be honest, thing. But...
1: Ariel wasn't that. She didn't. She she didn't rub off on me. Pun in, no pun intended. And, <laughs> because her, no I mean, disrespect she, to Shelly Martinez, I, I do see the similarities there with with Scarlet using the with the tarot cards and with uh you know Ariel using the tarot cards. The only problem was is that their gimmick just wasn't going to work, especially the fact they were thrown onto ECW. ECW. If this was FCW, I could see that going off. So OBW for crying out loud. OBW. If it was if it was FCW or OVW, I could have seen that work to where they could retool it a little bit. So when they put it on, they could have worked maybe during the Ruthless Aggression era, honestly, instead of the PG era. But remember when because Kevin Thorne's whole
0: thing before he was Kevin Thorne was Mordecai.
1: Mordecai, yeah. Mordecai. That's the the, that guy had bad luck with gimmicks. He he did his best to make it work. He did his best to make it work. But yeah. getting back getting back to Karrion Cross, I understood Triple H wanting to put that huge push on him. First, wanting him to immediately challenge. He takes the belt off of Keith Lee, which that's going to be – that's a small tirade into what my issue with WWE and NXT's use of Keith Lee has been. They give him that push. Unfortunately, he got hurt to where he had to put that belt back. But when he came back, I think Triple H realized he learned his fucking mistake. Do not – Make, do not give him that very hot push. Give him some small mini feuds to build him back up. So when he did challenge for that belt, you actually felt like it was earned. Not put, not forced on him, but earned. I liked him feuding with Legado del Fantasmo. I love that moment where he just takes out Joaquin and, and um, Joaquin, Raul. Takes no Mendoza. He, he takes out Joaquin Raul. And he doesn't even need a mic. He just goes up to Santos and just says, you and me have gotten some unfinished business. Like, there's a lot of time in between us. Like, you can barely hear him, but you can tell he's talking to him. Like what Samoa Joe would do to Paul Heyman when it came with that feud. Oh, I, yeah, I remember how one. I, I love that. So when he did take that belt off Balor, I'm going to work. And then made Karrion Cross look like he was going to be weak in that match. Because I love what he said. You're full of emotion. You're red hot. Me, I'm ice cold. I'm going to push you to where you're going to make a mistake. And we do see, like, it's going to pay off. But Karrion Cross turns it on Balor. That told a story in a match that I actually liked. So I accepted Karrion Cross as a champion this time. And I liked it even when he was champion. And that brought back the return of Samoa Joe to NXT. I wanted to see Karrion Cross and Joe go at it like crazy. Now, it wasn't the match I wanted because, you know, Joe's been hurt so many times, but we still got a physical match out of the two of them. I just hate the fact that it was the moment the belt was taken off of him, you knew he was going to the main roster. But technically that didn't happen. We got him going to the main roster without Scarlett losing to Jeff Hardy in a dirty set. Don't care how it would happen. I swear, I was watching a Twitch stream when I heard that from a buddy of mine on Facebook. I go, Are "You kidding me?" And then I go, and I follow up, for, and I follow somebody on Twitch who who's a wrestling fan as well, and she also has her own podcast called Face Beat Heels. She lost her shit. She was reacting to Raw. She lost her shit. She was so pissed off because she because like us at the time when we were doing like reviewing Raw, SmackDown, NXT. She was recording. She was reviewing Raw for her portion of the podcast. She didn't want to do it anymore because of how pissed off she was. High on carrying just. Like saying, if, we had, if we hadn't quit it uh, ahead of that,
0: I definitely would have quit after that.
1: Yeah, same here. I probably would because I didn't even wa- after I seen that clip. I didn't watch Rothwood. I was I didn't care that Jeff got back his old theme anymore. Just the way it was executed pissed me off. And then of course not using Scarlet. What the fuck is wrong with you, Vince? Scarlet. Even when she was an impact, Scarlett had that sex appeal that Vince wanted to use for the women's division. Now, I understand it's kind of exploitive, especially the way Vince would use them, especially hearing stories from what's Tori Wilson, Stacey Keebler, and so many other women had been told mm-hmm. that Vince would have them doing auditions in front of Linda McMahon. First off, ew. Second, what the fuck? And three, you disgusting fucking pervert.
0: Yeah, seriously. Put it put in the freaking cell next to Harvey Weinstein, for God's sake.
1: But the fact is when Scarlett was on screen, just like Karen Cross, she did not have to say anything. She used her, her she used her aura, she used her physicality and she used her look just like Karrion Cross did the physicality both of them used in order to come across how serious they were. I and not, and not even have her with Karrion Cross on the main roster it was ridiculous because tell me. Though, so I'm pretty sure the audience, she would have gotten the audience to sing along to Fallen Prey. Absolutely. If they had gotten her on there. I know during the quarantine, it was the wrestlers singing "The Fallen Prey, but then when they brought in some more crowds, I did hear some people yell Fallen Prey, but even then, it would not have felt organic if you had Scarlett in that crowd. I mean, yeah, if you have Scarlett on the main roster.
0: Yeah, I mean, like well. I said, wasted opportunity after wasted opportunity after wasted opportunity. Because that's all Vince McMahon knows how to do. And if it's not something he created, he doesn't want shit to do with it. Okay. And again, like I mentioned before, if this if there if there was ever any doubt that Vince McMahon wanted to kill Triple H's version of NXT and rebrand it with his own thing, this is the final nail on that coffin.
1: Okay. Like
0: all of this, because literally I don't know that there's anybody left that Triple H brought in aside from people like Tommaso Champa, yeah, Johnny Gargano. Yeah, yeah. Dexter, Dexter Lewis, Lewis. yeah. Uh, Austin
1: um, was kind of brought in, but he's... But he's out. now on the main roster
0: now, so that doesn't count. I'm, talk- I'm talking I'm just in NXT itself. Yeah. I mean, maybe freaking... Uh, isn't Leon Ruff still? No, Leon, yeah, Ruff, got- Leon
1: Ruff was released. Yeah,
0: Leon Ruff was released. I'm LA sure Knight,
1: he's-, he's on there, but... LA, LA Knight's think- there, but I yeah, mean, he's, Cameron yeah, he's Grimes. Cameron Grimes, yeah. Oh, my... Oh, okay, before we move on to some more stuff... I'm just going to take five, I'm going to take three minutes, if I can, to get off my chest on the complete mishandled and just utter destruction that they've done to Keith Lee.
0: Here, uh, just let me get this out of the way real quick. Our buddy, Travis. What's up, Travis? Chime in while he's saying, also, can we say releasing female wrestlers when your division has show-specific titles and a tag division is just a dumb decision? You're not wrong you
1: When, you're, wrong, when no. they, they are
0: hemorrhaging female talent in those divisions and they can use all of them they can get, it's a pretty fucking
1: stupid decision. The tag belts are literally just toys at this point, honestly. Pretty much. Anyway, hurt too. Cause I listened to uh Cassie and uh and uh Je- Jessica. Jessica and Cassie's podcast, uh uh either audio or watch them on YouTube and seen and listening to them how, how uh Happy they were to win the tag belts at WrestleMania, even though they were told they were they weren't originally going to win them. Made me feel, made me look back at that moment and be even more happy for them. Look, I was glad they won it because I originally thought it was going to be Natalya and Beth Phoenix. So when the Iconics won, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And then seeing, then of course, hearing the stories that they had of them suffering body issues while being on the main roster, especially because they 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 even said. They didn't prepare them from the difference of audiences. The the, the the reaction of the audiences from the main roster is at NXT because they yeah. understood the NXT audience. They understood them. They understood what they were there for. But when they got put to the main roster, it was literally like being thrown into a fucking uh, heavy populated metropolitan city. They were like tourists. They didn't know where the fuck they were going. They get whatever direction they were given would be taken away from them. And at the same time, they talked about they had to re- they had to reduce their twitter they had to limit their twitter restrict their twitter to where it's people they follow because they were constantly getting negative comments and negative DMs from fans really shooting at their body shooting at their wrestling ability and it pissed me off and this is where and uh now this is where I'm going to say about my thing with Keith Lee everything that James said big hoss wrestler a guy that Vince could book as a monster but could move, but has the agility and the speed of either a crew of a cruiserweight or a young lion from New Japan. And with NXT, I was okay with what they were doing with him. At first, putting him in these little good mixture of squash matches and competitive fights. But when they kept having him and Dominic Dijakovic in these constant series of matches, I'm thinking there needs to be a blow-off here, but there was never always a blow-off, it would always be. They have one match, then Keith's not being used a lot. They have another match, then Dominic's not being used a lot. Back and forth. When they finally started pushing Keith towards the North American Championship, yes, put him in a feud. They they insert him into the Undisputed Era feud. Yes. They, they not only put the North American Championship on him, but they have him become the first person to be double-belted and the first African-American to be double belted with the NFC and North American Championship. Do you have any idea for a fan like myself to save that for an African-American wrestler of his size and stature, not muscular like Big E? I love, the, I love Big E. I love Kofi Kingston. Seeing two men, Bobby Lashley, and even, even regardless of the King of the Ring, seeing Xavier Woods being given these little big accolades, these big platforms, makes me happy. But then... The way that Triple H tr- treated Keith Lee's run makes him give up the North American championship through this whole bullshit that he can't defend both of them. When we've known in the past, WWE have booked double champions before and have had them wrestle on more than one occasion. Now, maybe they don't want them to physically wear themselves out. If that's the case, I understand that. But it still pisses me off that you can't at least have someone take the belt off Keith Lee to have, them, to have their own star go out. No, it's just he retires it, and then it's just left out there in the ether. And then he's North American, he's NXT champion. He only has one defense, well, two defenses. One against Dominic Dijakovic, but then the second defense is against Karrion Cross, which he loses. And then he's called up to the fucking, uh, then he's called up to main roster. He's giving this grip push over Randy Orton. He's left in the fucking ether. He's floating around the fucking mid card. Then they get rid of him. He comes back, lose to Bobby Lashley. They rename him Bearcat, which I understand the significance of the name Bearcat. But when you don't educate your audience on the significance of this name or why you're calling him that, I think it's complete bullshit at least with AEW with Excalibur, Jim Ross and Tony Giovanni there they will at least inform you on some of the history of certain names or certain or or even with wrestling moves that's why I can get behind that commentary than just oh he's now Bearcat Lee deal with it and then you do nothing with it he squashes guys and you think he's going to be a heel a monster heel to where he can Win the United States Championship from uh Damian Priest and have a destructive run and then see him take the belt off, take the big belt off of Big E, and then he's fucking released as if everything he's accomplished on NXT did not matter. And W and Basic Man wonders why I don't ever have any faith when he has African American talent or any F- or any talent of color on his screen because I know he's gonna do something stupid with them. Hype of stereotypes and not give them the time of day to organically grow. Just pisses me off.
0: Preaching the choir there, my friend. I mean, we'll we'll get into something about that in here in a second. Travis had a few other things to say here. He said, yeah. uh, on the other hand, with Nia Jax, I have mixed feelings about her being released. But when, uh, when you're being released during a mental health break, that's just yeah. sickening. That's I agree. I, 100, I 100% I agree with that, Travis. He also said this about Keith Lee. Brock effing Lesnar put him over in the effing rumble. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Brock. Can you imagine if he had had an opportunity with Brock when Brock was, you know, WWE champion to have, let's just put him in a non-title match with Lesnar and see what they could do. Like you had a license to print money with this guy and you're right. There is hardly ever any kind of tact or any kind of sensibility with Vince McMahon when it comes to booking non-Caucasian talent. You're absolutely right with that because, I mean, let's look at it. Even Biggie, uh, Kofi, and Xavier have said it, you know, when they were talking about, because I listened to their podcast, uh, The New Day, Feel the Power. Go subscribe to it on iTunes or whatever podcast you listen to. Uh, They don't pay me to tell you that, although they wish they would. Anyway, um, but Biggie, Kofi, and Xavier talked about in uh, New Day feel the power about when they were first coming together as the New Day, you know, wanting to be this group of guys who are just not satisfied with their, you know, place on the card, you know, not really happy with management, this, that, and the other. Shades of the Nation of Domination with just a little, maybe, maybe a small, subtle hint of maybe a racial thing to it, but not something overblown like it was with the Nation of Domination or any kind of Black Panther thing. And they even went to Vince and they said, look, we don't want to be the happy dancey guys. Cause that was Xavier Woods for a bit. We don't want to be the big beefy athlete because that's what biggie was. And you don't want to be the foreign guy because that's what Kofi was for a number of times. They're like, we don't want any of these three stereotypes, but we're willing to work with something else. And Vince goes, okay, you guys are going to be preachers. And it's still like, Oh, for fuck's sake, but you, you found one idea. other black stereotype that we didn't think of. Now to their credit, they took that and they ran with, it. But it just it boggles mind when you look back at so many ridiculous things that happened in terms of African-American talent in the course of, you know, WWE, not even African-American talent, but even Caucasian talent adjacent to African-American talent. Look at one man gang when he became Akeem the African Dream. Look at Rowdy Roddy Piper when he went half blackface against, uh, what was it, Ahmed Johnson, I think?
1: Yeah, Ahmed Johnson. Yeah,
0: yeah. it was either uh, Ahmed Johnson or Bad News Brown. It was one of the two. Um, Then you look at Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon himself using the N-word in a segment that featured Booker T and Charmel and John Cena for crying out loud. You look at Kofi Kingston who had a Jamaican gimmick. Now, granted, Kofi was doing the Jamaican gimmick well before he became part of WWE. It was part of what he did for her to try to to get – Notice because nobody else was doing a Jamaican thing. It was part of his yeah. shtick. I get that. But then you yeah. look when you take Tony Atlas, a former bodybuilder, you know, all this great stuff, and you make him Saba Simba and dress
1: him in tribal gear. Yeah. Or l- l- how about Mark? <laughs> how about Mark Henry, a an Olympic athlete, uh who, who has who has who has performed at the Olympics, I think, on more than two occasions. They give him so many fucking gimmicks. I mean, look, I like the sexual chocolate gimmick they gave him, but still... Yeah, I mean, that was fun, but still... Time, very very indicative of the time. Yeah, it was very indicative, but at the same time, it was also a bit of, like, it was kind of like a, a one-step-forward, 2 steps back situation with him in that sexual chocolate gimmick. Yeah. And then they even built on that by saying he was a sex act. Then pairing him up with Mae Young in this that one gimmick to where... He gets her pregnant. She gives birth to a fucking hand. That honestly, if you did not think in hindsight that did not hurt Mark Henry, you are out of your fucking mind. And then yeah. of course they finally, when they do get him on track, they 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 had they rely so heavily on him being the world's strongest band, even though he does some good feats of strength, but at the same time, it's not giving him a wrestling a uh, wrestling screen, to, a wrestling time on TV. Sure, he gets TV time but nothing in the ring. But they finally do something good with him with the World Strongs man, the House of Pain gimmick, him winning the championship. He deserved a better run than just three fucking months with the belt. And then when they have him do that great swerve on John Cena, come on! Somebody was able to get the crowd in tears and chanting, thank you, Henry, and then do that swerve and get a huge fucking pop on Cena! How can you not fucking capitalize on that? How can you not capitalize on that?
0: Three words. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Anyway, uh, Travis is chiming in with a few other things. If Paul Heyman said, I wish we worked with Samoa Joe about five years ago, we would have had 30 bloodbaths that would have changed the face of PGTV. What do you think they could have done with Keith Lee? You're absolutely right. Uh, OMG, the money left on the table is unbelievable. You're damn right. And then he got in with the whole thing. How about Devon Dudley, who was an effing reverend? Yes, he was.
1: And that was just to get introduced Batista on TV. Jesus. Mm -hmm.
0: So anyway, let's, let's take a look. Now we've got this list of releases that, and then now join another list of releases over the last number of months. You have Bobby fish, Mercedes Martinez, Leon Ruff, Tyler rust, Bronson Reed, Mm -hmm. Jake Atlas, Stefan Smith, Desmond, Troy, Bray Wyatt, Chase Parker, Matt Martell, Killian Dane, Marina Shafir, Arturo Rujas, Kurt Stallion, The Bollywood Boys, Lars Sullivan, Steve Cutler, Andrade, The Iconics, Samoa Joe, who was rehired, Spade, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, Tucker, Bo Dallas, Mojo Raleigh, Wesley Blake, Jessamyn Duke, Kavita Devi, Vanessa Bourne, Skylar Story, Elena Vega, Ezra Judge, Alexander Wolf, Velveteen Dream, Braun Strowman, Lana. Buddy Murphy, Alistair Black, Ruby Riot, August Gray, Aria Davari, Tony Nice, Tyler Breeze, Fondango, Santana Garrett, and Tino Sabatelli.
1: Oh, let's not forget. You mentioned this about Joe's also rehired. Selena Vega also rehired. Also rehired. Which I'm hoping her she lets her contract sit out. So mm-hmm. then she can come back. Although it'll be a 90-day clause. But if she let that contract well, out, i mean she
0: was she was released but then she was hired back because she just won that whole Queen, queen's crown thing remember
1: it wasn't just that but she openly did say that she's resigned just so she can be with her you know with her husband alistair black who was still on the smackdown roster then right, he gets but now name. he's no longer there now she's left with a contract to run to wait until it runs out yeah more yeah. than
0: likely she'll run it down and maybe who knows we'll see her maybe join up with the uh, the lucha bros over in uh over in uh AEW, or maybe she'll become the first female member of the House of Black. Who knows? Uh, let me see here. Uh, hang on, Travis says. Any bets on how soon after his no complete cause, Keith Lee will show up in AEW? I'm telling you, it's gonna happen. It's it's gotta happen because I mean, I do. don't get me wrong. Like Keith Lee will be successful wherever he goes, regardless yeah. of where he chooses to go. Uh, and we know Ring of Honor is kind of shutting down first quarter of 2022. Uh, just to kind of reassess. So that won't be an uh, an option, but. If he goes to Impact, if he goes to uh, NWA, if he goes to New Japan, if he goes to AEW, he will 100% be a success there. And I can easily see both he and Mia Yim and uh, Scarlett and Karrion Cross ending up there. Heck, I can see Karrion Cross and Scarlett fitting in very well to the House of Black.
1: Yeah, I also see a few other wrestlers that uh, Buddy Murphy, who's not Buddy Matthews, even though he's waiting, he is already like he already has a gig lined up already. He's going to be wrestling. Yeah. Even Orny Logan Loke, has said next year he's going to be involved in a tournament to mm-hmm. wrestle as well. So he's got something lined up while waiting for his ninety days to go out. And some wrestlers on here that were released, uh, of course, I mentioned already the Iconics were now the inspiration. They made their yep. debuts on Impact, and they are now the tag champions there um ever rise who was released who are now 2.0 on aw talk about a team that could have been used very well as a comedy gimmick and are doing so well on aw especially when you see them on vlogs the bte vlogs they are getting over personality wise and even when you see them wrestle on dark or dark elevation at that, that that they used them very well honestly when they brought them in they have them be this nice heel fodder to really lay out the road to tease that huge Darby Allin versus CM Punk match. Mm-hmm. So when 2.0 got themselves inve- inserted along Daniel Garcia, you can't tell me that you booed the hell out of these guys because they could have taken away the match of CM Punk's return Dar- and Darby Allin wrestling each other. Oh, and- yeah. uh, let's see. Uh, she lets her
0: contract expire. There's not a non-compete clause. That's basically what Adam Cole did, and hopefully Kevin Owens did or
1: will do. Yeah, yeah, oh. you're not wrong. If there's not non-compete calls, then yeah, I can definitely see her go back. It's just, you never know what WWE, like, they always add some fine print. In That's why I was skeptical when Adam Cole's contract was running Now, I mean, some people told me, oh, he has a no-compete. He doesn't have that little 30 to 90 day." I'm like, yeah, but you know they can still try to do him dirty. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they didn't. <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway, so I'll, I will say this. Out of the out of the list of what we just named, uh, we, we've got Aleister Black, who is now – uh malachi black in aew we've got ruby riot who's now ruby soho in aew Mm -hmm. Tony niece who just made an appearance on aew andrade who went to aew the iconics who've gone to impact uh mickey james who's gone to the nwa with her husband which i think she's also
1: impact women's champion as well that
0: she is that she is uh killian dane again huge missed opportunity i think with killian dane bray wyatt i mean I could, oh, that, Neese, that's a whole, that's a whole another game. episode for a whole another fucking
1: Tony was also, I think, if, if our, I remember the he's now officially with AEW as well. Like, yeah, yeah. he's on TV and now there's like, he's all elites. So he's got a contract. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Bobby Fish, who's now also in AEW. And okay, I want to do, I do want to bring up two here. Because we talk about the ones that are kind of undo quite a bit when it comes to the, the releases that have come up over the course of the year. But I do want to talk about two who some feel is deserved and some feel are not deserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those two are Lars Sullivan Ugh. and The Velveteen Dream. And again, very, very different circumstances surrounding each. Lars never really got an opportunity to get started uh, because he got injured a little too quick. But then at the same time, you look at those very, very unprofessional uh, tweets and comments on message boards, forums, and things like yeah. that that popped up uh, in his history. And then to me, he just seemed like more of a PR nightmare than he was worth uh, in a lot of situations. Uh, and again, after a bit, and, and I'll say this full bore, I was a fan of Velveteen Dream.
1: I really Same was. Here. I, I, Velveteen, Velveteen Dream won me over, honestly. Yeah, absolutely.
0: But then, you know, some information comes out, some you know, accusations are made. Uh, WWE kind of doesn't do anything about it for a bit, which only makes things even worse from a PR standpoint until finally he's let go. Um, as far as Velveteen Dream is concerned, I will say this. Like I said, I was a fan of his work. I was a fan of his, you know, his demeanor, his, this, this Prince-esque kind of character that just oozed this charisma. But at the same time, there was so much about Prince that, you know, a lot of people, I think, misinterpreted in certain ways and yeah. maybe even not so much because, again, we we hear all kinds of other kind of stuff about Prince and this and that. So I don't know specifically what goes on with that, but I'll say this. It sucks when anybody loses their job, loses their livelihood, loses an opportunity to take care of themselves, their families. Uh, and you know, handle their own affairs, it's never anything any human being likes to see. However, in the case of these two and some of their more public dealings or even some private dealings, it seems like, in a way, these releases kind of were an inevitability, it was just a matter of when,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, look, one thing I'll say about Velveteen Dream, yeah, um, to be honest, when I kept when he when he when they brought him back on AXT. And, they, and it was revealed that they didn't even try to address or at least try to, uh, I won't say come but actually try to approach these allegations against him, it was just more of, yeah, we're just going to put you in timeout for a while and wait until everything dies down, and then we're going to bring you back. That approach that they did, y- y- like you said, it hurt him even more to where whenever you saw him on TV, there were fans that constantly kept saying, why is he still on screen? The, where you got the fire dream chance, the fire velveteen dream chance. I'm going... This is what happens when you don't approach something as serious as the allegations that were thrown against him. It was uh, something similar with, um, oh, my God. Well, I won't say similar, but like with Marty Skrull when those allegations of his relationship back in England. In America, they were taking it very seriously, even though the age restrictions in England are different at least some of the companies were taking it seriously. The Ring, Ring, Ring of Honor took it very seriously to where they could not have them be involved as being one of the major bookers there, being one heavily invested in creative. Ring of Honor took that seriously compared to what WWE did with Velveteen Dream. Now, it's definitely two... It, they are two different storylines and two different right. aspects, but you do see something like Ring of Honor, which are having very difficult like financial troubles at this moment, you saw exactly how they handled something like a Velveteen Dream scenario on their end and WWE, which is a billion-dollar company, and they treat it as if it's more of a fucking a flare-up, like, oh, yeah, just put some topical cream on it, let it go away on its own.
0: I, I see what you did there, flare, F-L-A-I-R, you know, <laughs> especially after the whole plane ride from hell situation, not bad.
1: Wow. Anyway,
0: um, here's the thing, and this is the last thing I'll say on this situation, like you're right, with the Marty Skrull incident and the Velveteen Dream situation, they, they were very, they were two very different responses. But at the same time, these are both huge, huge things that exemplify, I think, a a huge problem in American society in particular nowadays. The idea of guilty until proven innocent. Everybody jumps to conclusions. I think everybody needs to step back and remember, there's one side of the story, there's another side of the story, and then somewhere in the middle, there's the truth. More than likely, you're never going to get to that, you know, creamy center. It's going to be one side or the other. But if you judge a situation before you know all the facts, that's just as bad as anything else that you could do with this situation. To judge a situation when you don't have all the information is completely asinine and makes you look like an egotistical, self-righteous fuck. Yeah. And again, like Ryan mentioned, two completely separate situations. Uh, Velveteen Dreams was a documented kind of situation, at least from the point of view of the person who was yeah, doing the accusation. Whereas in Marty Skrull's situation, there was an accusation made. He made a rebuttal and then nothing. Like literally, legally speaking, nothing happened. You know, so we'll we'll see what happens in regards to all of those. But in the end, it's just sad that so many very talented, talented people uh, are now you know, left to kind of wonder where their futures are going to go. However, I will say, uh, in looking at the responses from some of these individuals, uh, especially this one that I'm going to read here, uh, Frankie Monet, a.k.a. Taya Valkyrie, posted this on her Instagram uh, the other day, and I wanted to read this out. Uh, well, that didn't go as planned. First and foremost, I would like to thank WWE for allowing me to live my dream, even if it was cut short. To say I'm disappointed would be an understatement. I'm confused, hurt sad and honestly mad. I came there as one of the top luchadoras of of our era and honestly leaving there a little broken. I loved every day when I got to go to work, being around the greatest minds in this business, getting to train in the best pro wrestling uh, training facility in the world and to see my friends every day. I was completely enveloped in the industry. Thank you to Triple H and Shawn Michaels and the entire Performance Center staff for welcoming me with open arms and allowing me to learn from you. I know who I am. I know what I've done and I know I have more to give. This is just another swerve in my journey that I didn't expect. But to be honest, my life has always been filled with those. I'm a fighter. I'm stubborn. And I'm a very, very good pro wrestler. Thank you to everyone that supported me through this chapter. And thank you to everyone that will continue to support me into the next one. Time to let La Verra Loca loose. Let's make magic. And again, I think she's got the right attitude. It's like, well, Hit a speed bump. This wasn't where I expected to end up, but I'm going to roll with it. And I think that's that's kind of the attitude you have to face. It's uh, one of DDP's favorite quotes that he uses that I actually tag most of the signatures to a lot of my professional emails with is, life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react to it. And now going forward, we're going to see how these people react to it. And I think it's going to determine a lot about where their futures go
1: from here on out. Yeah, and that's 100% that's like 100% professional of what her response was. I mean, of course, oh, yeah. we want to be like, oh, she should be up in arms, she should be furious, she should be livid. I mean, hell, who's to say she's not livid? But also, she was already a hot commodity before she got to the come before she got to WWE. This was just that's more nice. something she wanted to do live for an opportunity to be on, you know, to perform in front of millions, thousands, or millions of people. On WWE stage, and I won't take that away from any wrestler who go to WWE. You want to live the dream? The, I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, during the '90s, when I was a fan of this stuff, I wanted to be either on WCW or WWE as a wrestler. So I did not take that away from them. It's just now we're 20 years removed from those from the from the time of the Attitude Era of the Monday Night Wars, even of the even those who came into the '80s, like of the the Generation Era. We're remo- we're we're years removed from that where. It's no long competition. The only reason why Vince was able to be this good—I mean, at least was creative with all that shit—because there are two things: one, he had competition, and two, he had people who told him that his ideas were stupid. Best example: Pat Patterson. When he had him in charge of there, I—I uh, over the weekend I was re-listening to old episodes of Talk Is Jericho. Jericho had one on Pat Patterson, to where they were sharing stories. Whenever Vince had pitched an idea patterson would not sugarcoat he would just go that just sounds stupid you know like he would tell them that the he he was a wrestler's wrestler to where he could translate from where vince said that would make it easier for a wrestler to understand so they can be able to do the job and Chris jericho has even said on his podcast there were times where he's talked to patterson to where patterson said no no do it it's gonna work and i think best example was when um, um i forgot this angle when uh Oh yeah, with uh, the Nexus, like when uh, he was supposed yeah. to be clear, the Jericho didn't like that. But Pat said, "No, do let him beat you." And then during that time, you're seeing the Nexus being built as this terror, this big force going over all the the, the veteran talent, and also it helped with Jericho. Like the best thing of, because Jericho's a heel, he's throwing these tantrum fits, tantrums that makes you want to hate him for a reason. And this was at a time when Jericho was doing the uh three-piece suit Tasha Guersta style character that he was doing. So to see Jericho in this suit step back a little bit from being the cold the cold stone-faced character to get a little like tantrumy it it made you want to boo him even more. the fact that Vince does not have anybody like that or even if he does they're more in the position to where they know they'll lose their job to where they don't want to go too much against Vince. is and even then, it's kind of like you should have the balls to tell Vince. It, it actually I shouldn't tell. I shouldn't talk about how these guys should do their jobs. Honestly, I'm not hired by them, but it just seems ridiculous that Vince doesn't want to keep surrounding himself with at least one or a few guys that will let him know that you need to get the story across the audience. Let them buy into your story. Don't try to don't, don't try to shove something down their throats. Provide them with something like a morsel. And if they like it, you keep giving them more and more. So then they're willing to buy They're willing to buy and they're willing to buy and eat up anything else you sell them on, on screen. Yeah, it's sad.
0: Well, in any case folks, time will tell where these uh, individuals end up, but for now I can tell you where we're going to end up and that's because we're going to end up shutting things down for the day. we got the go home queue coming in. So we want to thank you guys so much for joining us. What do you think about the individuals who've been released from wwe over the last number of weeks heck even the last year as a whole let us know in the comments leave us a like share subscribe if you're watching this on youtube be sure to subscribe to the Sheminator productions youtube channel that's where we do this podcast you can also find uh, us over on anchor apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify mm-hmm. all those good places where you can find us if you're over there listening to us go ahead and give us a review five stars is appreciated but you're welcome to vote with your heart rather than just feeling by what we tell you, but five stars is appreciated, please. But in any case, thank you so much for joining us today. Ryan, where can the good people find you online,
1: good sir? Well, people can find me on Facebook. Uh, I also have an Instagram. Uh, I mean, Facebook, Ryan Payne, and Instagram, Ry Ry again, and then, of course, a Twitter called, uh, uh, Twitter and handle, Caramel underscore Pain. I may not be active on on them as much, I as posting stuff, but... I can like I'm always there to share conversations. Like if you're a wrestling fan and you want to talk wrestling, yeah, just hit me up and I'm willing to talk wrestling with you. I mean, as long as you know you're a you you know as long as I do a check that your profile is legit, not like a troll profile where you says it where it says that you're on like it, that you've been on Twitter for five years but then I go and it's just like it's private. I'm like, okay, why are you message reaching out to me if I can't see what your profile is about? You know, not like I'm trying to leer or anything like that, but Come on, guys. We come across so many spam accounts. It's easy for a spam account to follow you, but you have a heart, and they'll just constantly troll you. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah.
0: Of course, you guys can find me over at Shimo James on Twitter. That's at Capital S H I M O Capital J A M E S, all one word. You can also find me, like I said, at the Nata Productions YouTube channel. That's where you're watching this. If you're seeing this in video format. Uh, You can find me and Ryan there. We'll be doing our watch-alongs to Marvel's What If. We're going to be finishing that up. And then we are going to have some watch-alongs coming up, other shows as well. Any of the ones that release weekly, like on Disney+, Plus, like Hawkeye or uh, Obi-Wan or anything like that that's coming up, Book of Boba Fett. Uh, We'll be waiting until all of the episodes are out first. That way we can watch them all in one continuous stream rather than having to risk doing it one after the other after the other. Uh, we will also be doing uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation when part two releases as well. Witcher season two, Animaniacs season two. We'll be getting into all of that stuff hopefully here before the end of the year. So be on the lookout for those. You can also find me over on the FCL YouTube channel. That's the first class league, the developmental league for the movie trivia showdown. For any of you guys who are fans of that, you can find me over there. I compete there as the sinister James Shima, the leader of the Sinister Syndicate. It's a ton of fun. It mixes movie trivia, pro wrestling you guys would get a kick out of it. And as a matter of fact, it is hosted by Brad Gilmore, who some of you may know from reality of wrestling, as well as the hall of fame podcast with the five time, five time, five time, five time WCW champion Booker T. So in any case, folks, that's going to wrap it up for us here today. Thank you so much for joining us. We have rambled, we have raged, but it has all been for the love of one thing and one thing only. And that is the world of professional wrestling. I have been James Shimo. He has been Ryan Payne. We will see you next time. And until then, Hey ref, ring the bell, will ya?